ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Legends of Packard. We are back. We are back. The Legends of Packard podcast is back. Season three is a go. Randy Policar, Jake Borup. Jake, I love seeing your smiling face and being able to record a new season of Legends of Packard. Oh, man, you really do take things for granted when you don't have them anymore. I've had more people reach out to me and go, man, when are you guys doing another episode? And I'm like, didn't we just do one like a month ago, a couple of weeks ago? And then you realize like it was what, April or May? Or, yeah, was, I don't know, something like that. We but. took a summer break. I had some family stuff come up that kind of, uh, you know, put a pause on things. But we're here. We're ready to go. We have a great guest today. But uh, I want to talk before we get into our, our fantastic guest. I want to talk about what's going on with the program now because we are back, baby. A couple of weeks ago, Coach Bloomquist and Graham Rossini, they had an alumni event. I know you couldn't make it. We had a football game that day, and I know you wanted to be there, but I went out there, and, man, it felt like, it felt like the old days. It really did. Great turnout. Bob Horner was there. Ken Phelps was there. Brett Bordas was there. Chip and Tuffy Gosowich were there. Seth Donnans. I mean, just a bunch of guys came back. and. Um, it's so great to see the former players be back in the fold and um, being welcomed back home and really proving that it, ASU baseball has a, a tradition like no other college baseball program. And I cannot tell you how excited I am. And I know you're excited that Willie Bloomquist is our head coach. Well, I was going to say, you forgot to mention two uh, uh, former Sun Devils that were there as well, Willie and Travis Buck, but uh, more importantly, as coaching uh, uh, members of this year's team. It's good to finally see some uh, former Sun Devil blood uh, out there every day with the guys in the trenches. I, I know I've talked to a few people, especially you who went to that event, and, and a lot of people are just super excited about this coming up, this season coming up in 2022. I can't wait. I, I keep looking at the calendar like, is it January? Is it February yet? I can't wait to get out there and uh, and watch the games at Muni. I'm, I'm really excited just to see what, what, uh, Coach Bloomquist puts out there, I know that the talent level is there. And when the talent level is there and you add that magic of, you know, Sun Devil alumni and Sun Devil roots and kind of the core of what it means, especially from someone like Willie, who, you know, embodies, you know, Murph style baseball. And, and um, I'm just really looking forward to this year. There's a buzz. There's a, there's an excitement in the air when it comes to Sun Devil baseball again. And, and uh, I've actually reached out to a couple guys in the team and, and they've, they've told me too, like, dude, it's different. You know, it's, it's, it's a different, even practices are different. And that's ultimately what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that there was something different there that really led to the idea of ASU being kind of those big dogs again, kind of those bullies. You know, I think of like the, the bad boys from the Detroit Pistons and like nobody wanted to play those guys because they just, they were kind of those big dogs and, and um, I think that that's kind of where ASU baseball is headed. And uh, I mean, don't be surprised if they, they bust down some doors this year and have some big wins um, um, this year, even with, you know, Willie's first year, I think Willie will have an immediate impact on this team, especially you have, you know, some of the other coaches and Travis there who can continue to bring that uh, ASU baseball legacy on. But Regardless, Randy, it's great to see you wearing the maroon and gold, the uh, the Corey Hahn ASU baseball cap. I'm excited to chat ASU baseball again, and uh, uh, obviously excited to, to talk with our guest. 
Well, I'll just say one more thing about about that event. Willie gave a speech. I'm sorry, Coach Bloomquist gave a speech. And uh, I think all of us were ready to run through a wall for the man um, because his message was, and Jake, I think you'll agree, this is the message we've been waiting to hear. A regional run's not good enough. A super regional is great, but it's not good enough. I expect to be in Omaha every year. And that's the message that, that Coach Bloomquist was conveying. And I really think that's the message that's been missing from this program for the last few seasons. And uh, I take Willie at his word. I mean, I, I know him a little bit. We, we chatted and we've had him on the show. You know his passion for this program. He will not accept anything less. And, and one of the coolest things that he said was his first day here, he assigned everybody on the roster a former ASU player. And he wanted them to research them and get to know the guys who came before them because it's not there. It's not the current team's program. It's all the guys who played before them's program. It'll be their program also. But he, he was big on get to know who you're playing for. And I just thought that was a great message. And, and it really proves the tradition that ASU baseball has. Well, there's a reason that they have that Hall of Fame plaques and, and uh, memorials out, maybe not memorials, but just their hall of fame at Yankee stadium, right, right beyond center field. Right. And that's just to show like the, uh, that it, the program or the, the team, it's not about the guys that are playing right there. Obviously they're the product, but ultimately they're playing for something bigger. And um, I, I also, when we spoke, Randy, I think one of the things that you mentioned to me that, that coach Bloomquist said was no excuses. Right. And uh the idea that regionals aren't going to be celebrated. There aren't, they aren't good enough. We want to make it and be competitive at super regionals and ultimately com- contend for national championships. And part of that is having no excuses, right? You have something come up, no excuses. Hey, I made a bad pitch. It is what it is. I'm going to, I'm going to let people know when I've made a mistake, I'm going to work on it and I'm going to get better so that the next time I have that opportunity, I'm not going to make that mistake. And I think that's what this program needed. Um, I think we needed somebody who's going to come in and there's going to be no games, no BS, no, no fake hustle. It's going to be real, true, hard work. And um, from what I've heard from fall ball to the scrimmages to kind of the attitude uh, from both players and coaches is, it is no excuses. There's one goal and that's to go to Omaha and contend for a, uh, a national championship. And I, I think it's, it's very attainable if, if, you know, this year, next year, and for many years to come, and we can kind of hopefully get back on track to what uh, we know ASU baseball is. And that's a top 10 program and contending at super regionals in Omaha every single year in a year out hosting super regionals. So I agree. I think it's 200 club 2.0 now with coach Bloomquist. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's get to our guest. And you know, when, when Brady Rogers came to ASU, there wasn't a whole lot known about him. He was a kid from Texas, but the pitching staff was in flux. We had just, you know, Mike Leak was gone. Uh, it was 2010. It was Seth Blair now was, was going to be the ace, but he was only going to be there for a year. So the question was, who is going to be that guy who steps up and, and is your Friday night guy and a guy that you can depend on? And, well, our guest Brady Rogers was that guy. Three years at ASU, he went 23-10 and 10 with three saves, 286 innings pitched. He has a career 2.39 ERA, which is the second lowest in school history to only Floyd Bannister. Jake, you played with him for a season. I know you watched him. This guy was a legit Friday night ace. He was a legit Friday night ace, a freshman. I mean, to be honest with you, there were times, I remember, I think it was Stanford or something like that, or maybe Oregon State. I didn't, I didn't have the greatest of games. And 
I don't know if it was just rumblings or if I had heard anything, but a lot of people, I feel like, you know, even within the club were like, Hey, should we swap out Brady for Borup? Should we put Brady as the, the Sunday guy? And, you know, whether or not that was any, there was any truth to that or, or as ever thought of that, which I, I don't think he did, but at the same time, the idea that this kid could come in as a true freshman and, uh, and, and be in the starting lineup at, or be in the starting rotation at ASU um, it's crazy to think about because there's been a lot of guys who never did that. And then you see, he went on to be a dominant Friday night starter. And the reason he was Randy is one of the outside of maybe, you know, Mike Leake, this was one of the only dudes I, I, he, he just never threw balls. Not only did he never walk people, he never got even to, to three balls in a count, right? It was just, the kid was Oh, two, one, two, every count. And uh, that's one of the things I'll always um, remember about Brady is just, he never walked anybody. He always threw strikes, even though he wasn't a dude that threw 95, 96, he was going to get you out. Like I, I've, I've talked about before, just Mr. Consistent. Um, you knew what you were getting every single time out of Brady, uh, out of Brady Rogers. Kid's a stud. I've, I have nothing but good things to say about this kid. Always admired Brady, even though he was just a freshman when we played together. I knew he was destined for good things at ASU. Let's bring him on. Brady Rogers live from Houston, Texas. Brady, welcome to the Legends Packard podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's always been uh, honestly been waiting for my day to, to come on this this podcast Been looking forward to it. I know every single guy that's been on it so far it just gets me fired up and always brings back memories. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to talking with you all. Well, Randy, it was funny when we started this thing. I'd have never guessed that we'd be on season three uh, at this point. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh Things happen the way they are. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with everybody and, and talk, you know, Sun Devil baseball. I'm pumped to talk to Brady. Brady was always kind of uh, – I always kind of looked at Brady as like my little brother because Brady and I had very similar stuff. We were both about 88 to 90, little sinker, slider guy, good changeup. And uh, it, there were plenty of times in my Sun Devil career when I – would actually watch Brady and I'd be like, Oh, what's he doing here? What's he doing there? Just because we were so similar in our stuff. And uh, so I'd like to, I'd like to think that I had a little bit of credit for taking Brady under my wing for, you know, his like uh, whatever his last season was something like 200 punch outs and like three walks, whatever it was, something ridiculous. But uh, if ever there was a kid who was just the definition of consistency, in my opinion, it was Brady Rogers because you knew exactly what you were going to get, right. You're going to get at least seven innings probably punch out eight or nine. Uh, he wasn't going to walk anybody and he maybe might give up a run. So uh, as long as you, as long as you scored more than one run, you know, you were pretty good to go uh, when Brady was taking the Hill. So Brady, we're excited to have you on and chat with you about Sun Devil baseball. I know you and I have had a couple off season or a couple uh, you know, private conversations about baseball and I know how passionate you are about the club. Uh, we roll into season three on a different note now with uh, Willie Bloomquist at the helm, and we're excited about that. I think all three of us are super excited about that, as well as many other um, from the fan base. So, Brady, we'll tee up, buddy. How did you end up at ASU? And uh, you being a Texas kid, was ASU, ASU always on your radar, or, or kind of how did you end up there being from Texas? Yeah, no, I mean, well, first off, you know, thanks for the kind words. I definitely learned uh, a lot from from you. I know it, it, at times I remember my freshman year, it always felt like you were giving me a hard time, but that was for good for that. For, that was for good reason. So looking back on it, I thank you for it. Um, but no, yeah, it was always uh, always fun watching you too, uh, watching you pitch too on uh, on Sundays. I definitely 
learned a lot my freshman year. But uh, but no, my story, man, ASU honestly never really came into the picture until I became a fan. I, I was probably playing hooky one day from school. College World Series was on. I know it was summertime, actually. College World Series was on. ASU versus Nebraska. Jeff Larish hitting three bombs. After that, I was like, I want to go to this school. Just the dugout was fired up. Uh, it looked just it looked fun, looked fun to be a part of. And then the, the kind of the more I did my research on ASU, it was like, man, you got guys like Pedroia, Bonds, Ethier. As I started doing my research on ASU, I'm like, they're doing something right over there in Arizona. So like, I, I got to find a way to be over there. And uh, it was a Christmas present. I want to say it was like my freshman freshman year of high school. My uh, my parents gave me a, a Christmas gift to go to just like a baseball camp at ASU. You know, that's it. Just a baseball camp. Nothing, nothing special. Uh, went out there, went out to Packard, played catch through a bullpen, met like guys like Mauser was there. Petey was the catcher. Satow was there. So all these guys are running the camp. And, uh, you know, I'm just some scrawny little 15 year old just out there. They probably had no idea who I was and what my what my intentions were for that camp. And uh, Josh Holiday was there. You know, obviously Murph was there. Um but yeah, I just threw a bullpen and it was Josh Holiday was there and he was like, hey, uh, we want to talk to you a little bit more after that. So then we went into the Omaha room and sat with Murph, sat with Josh, and they were just like, you know, you know, are you interested in Arizona State? Are you interested in coming here? I'm like, of course, like it's my dream school. Uh, you're always in the College World Series. I'm always seeing you on TV. So of course I want to be a part of it. Uh, then they brought me out. To, uh, I forget what they called it then. It was like the the 200 uh something i forget it was like some sort of camp that they ran and they had like 200 uh, high school kids and uh, or something like that i don't really remember but then i went there pitched against them through a couple innings and i think jake barrett was there blackford was there applin might have been there and uh you know i pitched one or two innings there did really well had a scholarship waiting for me afterwards uh so i think that might have been my junior year that that ended up happening um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I ended up at ASU. They didn't I don't even know what the scholarship was, to be honest. Murph just said, like, hey, do you want to come here? I said, yeah. He's like, all right, cool. And that was it. I was committed to ASU. So like, I don't even know what my scholarship was. I probably probably paid full tuition, not zero percent scholarship and went there thinking I was on scholarship. But uh, but no, I mean, that's that's how I got there. And definitely the the best decision of my life. Did having guys who are already from Texas on the roster, like a PD Paramore or a Jordan Swaggerty, did that help, you know, like, okay, I'm not gonna be the only guy from Texas to come to this school. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helped. Uh, you know, just, yeah. Seeing that Murph didn't just recruit only in Arizona. I didn't know how the, the college game went, you know, it's like, do only Arizona kids go to Arizona state? Do, do they only recruit in Arizona? Do they only recruit in California? So seeing, you know, other Texas guys, I think there was a handful of guys too, like uh, Mike Jones, who's actually from, I think, the Sugarland area. Yep. He played football and baseball at ASU, and he's from Houston. Uh, so, I mean, I did my background check on how well do they recruit from guys from Texas. And, you know, it was a handful of guys from Dallas, handful of guys from Houston. So, you know, it definitely made me, uh, made me feel a lot more comfortable knowing that other guys can do it too. So why can't I? Brady, what was kind of the, 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 maybe the recruiting point that uh, ASU had over a school like, you know, University of Texas or Texas A&M or, 
something like that, where it could have been a little bit more hometown for you. Rice is, is Rice in Houston. Is that where they're at? Yeah. yeah, they're in Houston. I'm not smart enough to go to Rice, so that was <laughs> yeah. definitely out the window. Uh, no, I think uh, what Murph did was he got me in a golf cart and drove me around campus. That was pretty much it. Uh, I'm sure that's what a lot of guys do. A lot of the recruiting visits do, uh, happen to ASU, but uh, no, I mean, I it was always I always wanted to go to ASU. It was one I hated the University of Texas. My sister went to A and M. I grew up hating. Uh, what do they call that orange burnt orange hated that so I couldn't stand Texas A&M was a school that I would have considered but I think they didn't really come into the you know they didn't really come into it until my senior year when I was actually like performing well so you know I was kind of I try I try to stay true and honest to someone who saw something in me early on like ASU did my sophomore year they saw something so kind of all the schools that became interested in my junior, senior year, like Texas, I think, became interested. A&M did. TCU, U of H, all these Texas schools. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to ASU. Appreciate it. I don't care what type of scholarship you want to offer me. I want to say TCU might have had like almost a full ride. And uh, I was still just like, nah, ASU is where I want to go. So did you know that ASU had a strong history of playing games in Texas before you committed, or did you kind of figure that out after? Cause I, I mean, I know in 06, we played in Austin, we played in Corpus Christi, we played in Houston. I mean, we played every team and we played at Baylor. Every yeah, team that wasn't did, Texas. They did all that. They did all that when I wasn't there. So I'm like, of course, you know, finally, I finally go to, I go to ASU and we played, I think one game in Texas and it was the super regional in 11. Like that was it. That was the only game in Texas I ever played because like, I went to, I was looking forward to it because I think there was a time where, you know, they were thinking about going to uh, to Minute Maid for the Minute Maid Classic. Yep, I went to one of those games uh, and I believe Sogard let it off like first pitch bomb off the scoreboard and right. And then Brett Wallace, Ike Davis are like going oppo off the Crawford boxes. So, I mean, that was just like, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, we never got to play in Texas. But uh, <laughs> but no, I never really did my research on where we played and what and stuff like that but i wish we would have played in texas a little bit more often matt spencer hit a home run to the third deck there at, at then minute made or at, i think it, yeah it was, it was minute made then and i think he got drafted just from that one swing probably it makes sense and then i actually think uh if i remember right if my memory is good uh my wife always makes fun of me saying like i can't remember to take out the trash but i can remember a pitch i threw 15 years ago uh you know on a midday I remember it wasn't even my game. It was my first ASU game, Josh Satow's pitching. I think he went complete game shutty against U of H. Like, you can backdate me. I'm pretty sure that's what the, the box score was. So if uh, Josh is listening, I'm sure he might remember the remember that game, uh, going like eight or nine innings at Minute Maid. That was a good – that was a great field of teams. The Vanderbilt was there too, and they had David Price and um, mm-hmm. Pedro Alvarez. Pedro we never, Alvarez, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, they were stacked. I believe Jeff Erlob gave up a home run to Pedro Alvarez. It hasn't landed yet. <laughs> Brady, so you come in, um, you kind of interesting time, right? The fall of 2009, you had been recruited by Murph. He was the one that extended you a scholarship, probably had chatted with him often as it seemed like Murph always would just kind of disappear from practice and he'd be on the phone talking to guys playing, right? That were 15, 16 years old because he was always thinking of his rosters years and years later. So obviously fall comes and we'll get into actual ASU and their ASU and, you know, your, your story there, but 
what was it like coming in as a freshman, right, and having two or three months of fall league, and then all of a sudden, bam, the coaches that recruited you are, you know, they're gone. And, and all of a sudden, now it's a completely new head coach. And, um, you know, now all of a sudden, it's like, this, this isn't what I had planned on for three years up until this point. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a WTF moment, for sure. <laughs> I think for, for every single one of us. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, it was like... Uh, I remember to this day, you know, we get to the field and especially like all you older guys are just like talking like, Dude, what the heck are we going to do? All of us freshmen are like playing dumb, like, oh, what happened? Like, oh, you know what? Like, oh, what's that mean? Like he's coming back or like do we get to good? And then all of a sudden it was like, no, this is real. Like we have the opportunity. We had we all had the opportunity to transfer and up and leave. And I think, you know, we've had y'all had this conversation with other guys on on the podcast and it was to me to me I don't know it was my first you know first couple months so it was obviously I developed a relationship with Murph so it definitely definitely hit hit home a little bit and I know my my parents obviously they're shipping me off I'm a thousand miles away from home Murph was like the guy like the dad you know that was supposed to take care of youngsters like me so they were kind of panicking not knowing what was going on um, asking me every single day if I knew anything going on and stuff like that. And it's like, man, I don't, don't know what's going on. But, uh, but yeah, that, that whole first semester was definitely something that no one experiences. You know, it's a once in a lifetime deal. But uh, I think, and I, I, I know you talked about it, it might have been with Raul, if I remember right, was that, you know, no one left. We all had the opportunity to go wherever we wanted. It was an open door. And we all stayed. And so, like, I think when we all decided on that to stay and just play together, I mean, it was that was a pretty impactful moment for that season. And not just the season, but even for my ASU career, my my playing career was just to show the the brotherhood that I've entered at in Tempe at Arizona State, just to see what type of family I've I'm going to be around, because it was kind of like we didn't know what our situation was. So we had each other. And uh, I think that was kind of the, the biggest moment, the biggest surreal moment as to how important ASU baseball is to every single one of us who got to put that jersey on. How valuable was having Ken Knutson on the staff for you at that point? I know you and I have talked about your affinity for, for Snake and for him to be there for that transition period. But that kind of really was that a, was that super beneficial for you? Because, you know, OK, well, I've got this guy here who I can lean on. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean. For, for two standpoints, one, I obviously developed a huge relationship with Snake at that time. I mean, being a pitcher, he's our pitching coach. We spend literally almost every waking second at the baseball field together. And then he was a guy who had, I forget what it was, 16, 17 years of Pac-10, Pac-12 coaching experience, head coaching experience. So I knew that we were, you know, we were going to be okay. It was either going to be, we were either going to have Snake as our head coach. I know that was kind of up in the air. So I don't know. It was just kind of a thing where we just I felt confident in all everyone, every single one of us that was there. I just felt confident in that whole situation that we were going to pull through and and, you know, be do what exactly what we did to start off the season. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we had good leaders, you know, Cole and Raul and yeah, dudes who could ready to ship, um, especially because you young guys, I mean, looking back at it, right? Like you guys had every opportunity to leave and you didn't. And then you mentioned names like Jake Barrett and 
Applin and you, obviously, guys who contributed to that 2010 team when you were freshmen, um, that, you know, we're not getting to the World Series without you guys, no doubt. Like, the fact that Brady Rogers is our, our number four guy, like, Brady probably could have been a, a number one guy on 90% of the other rosters. And, uh, you know, we lose a guy like you or a guy like Jake Barrett on the back end. It's, you know, it's, it's tough. So, um, yeah, dude, it was, uh, it, it was an interesting time. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure your experience was a little bit crazier than mine. Cause you had a history at ASU from that time. So. Well, I, I think the thing is, it. especially for you guys is you guys hadn't met as right. Like, and maybe you had yeah. from, from, yeah, from the camps, like that's that. it. Yeah. Just like, Hey, I'm as, Hey, I'm Brady. Nice to meet right. you. So right, cool. it, I don't know what your standpoint was, but like, I think when a lot of, uh, a lot of us older guys who had as, you know, thought of him as maybe a potential candidate, we were like, that's the guy. Right. But at the same time, like you have a guy like snake who comes in who's got a ton of experience and a ton of, you know, uh, time in the pack 10 at the time. Um, you know, he's another guy. And so for me, it was a, it was, I was cool with either one of them, but I can't imagine for you when it was like, Hey, snake is the one that I know. I really don't know as, so now I have to almost embrace him, you know? Yeah, and I was also, I mean, from a young standpoint, seeing all the older guys react the way y'all did when Ez walked in the door. You know, he just comes bebopping in. I think he had like a little dip in. He's like, "What's up, guys?" Like, you know, he just like the Ez, the Ez like look. I mean, you just know he just has this aura about him, right? That yeah. you love. And just to see y'all's reaction was like, oh, like everybody cheering. And all of us young guys, like, what are we going to do? We're going to follow suit. We're going to follow in the steps of our leaders, which was guys like you, guys like Raul, Cole. Y'all are all excited, so we're excited. Y'all are behind him. We're behind him. So, again, that's that's how it was. And, I, I mean, we we kind of knew Ez. We knew he was an ASU guy, so we knew that kind of everything was just going to – nothing was going to change, and I think that's exactly what happened. But, uh, but yeah, seeing y'all's reaction was really – I think what uh, what did it in for us younger guys. Was it hard for you your freshman year? You know, I'm sure you were accustomed to starting in high school and now you come in and it was a pretty established rotation and then we lose Spence. So maybe it's not an established rotation. And then you got this guy on Sunday who gives up seven runs in the first inning every week and then shows <laughs> shutout innings from that point on. But was it a hard adjustment for you to be a bullpen guy? And then also, hey, we're going to start you Tuesday night against Grand Canyon especially coming in with all the coaching change and everything else? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know. Um, I mean, that was just – I didn't go into ASU with any expectations. Murph didn't promise me anything to get me to ASU. He wasn't like, look, you're going to log 100 innings your freshman year. Nothing like that happened. Um, so kind of going from that rotation to the bullpen, I think the staff did a good job of ready, getting me ready for that role in the fall ball. Because, you know, sometimes I would start, sometimes I would come in relief. So I think that did a really good job of preparing me. But again, going in my freshman year, I had literally zero expectations. It was kind of just, I'm going to try to throw as many strikes and get as many guys out until I get the ball taken from me. So let's, we'll move on, Brady, um, it, you know, to, to kind of the season itself. And, um, you know, I, I always... I always, as the Sunday guy, I always wanted the ball. And I know that a lot of those guys, every pitcher wanted the same thing. I think the thing with, with us is that 
Dude, you from the beginning, I don't think, I think a lot of eyes were on, you know, Jake Barrett and these guys that came in that threw freaking gas and you kind of came in under the radar as this, you know, uh, we, you were kind of this cowboy kid, didn't say much, just kind of did the work and threw strikes, 88, 91, little slider, nothing like for show, right? The, there were some names, Devin Marrero and these different dudes who came in with all the flash and you come in and you have, you know, our, one of the best freshman seasons ever. I think your ERA was what, 2.11 in 2010, you led the Pac-10 which is pretty dang impressive. And I'm sure if you would have said that before the year, you'd have been like, there's, you know, probably no chance that's ever happening. So take me through kind of your philosophy as a freshman, you mentioned maybe you weren't promised a number of innings, but what was kind of your philosophy? Was it just keep it simple like you were, or was it any pressure or kind of what was your, your take on, on your freshman year, I should say. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I think my first couple of games were the worst ones of my career career uh to start off i'm pretty sure i gave up like a three spot my first inning of coming out of the bullpen and was like all right this is how my college career is going to be <laughs> so but no i think like guys like snake just did a good job of preparing us and was just like dude just be yourself throw strikes like don't give these guys too much credit and so that's kind of what i had to do was just throw strikes be myself do exactly what they brought me on to do and that was to come in throw as many strikes as I possibly can. But uh, no, freshman year was cool. Just getting to, to do those spot starts on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, just to kind of ease me into that college starting role for the, the next couple of years. Again, I didn't have any plans of being a number one. That was just kind of, it just happened. I was just going there just to, to pitch. I didn't know if I wanted to be a starter, reliever, whatever. But obviously as a pitcher coming in, my freshman year, who just left? A Mike Leak. Obviously, you wanted to go in. You wanted to fill those shoes. You wanted to be that guy. But at the same time, I just wanted to be myself and do pitch as many innings as I possibly could while wearing an ASU jersey. So, yeah, my freshman year, I didn't like I said, I didn't have any expectations. But to have a year like I did was was pretty awesome and uh, and made it fun. Talk about pressure too. I mean, at what point did you think? boy, do we ever lose at this school? Because uh, we won the first 25 games. And <laughs> was, there, was there extra pressure on you when you come out of the bullpen? Like, boy, I better not give up this league because I don't want to be the one. Well, I was the one, Randy. So thank you <laughs> for bringing that back up. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course, you're, you're a freshman at the best program in the nation. And you're on this insane winning streak. So obviously, my goal is to don't ever screw up. And that was pretty much it. That was my only goal ever to go in. Uh, anytime I went in was just don't be the reason we lose. And yeah, I, I was, I, I don't, I don't want to say I was the reason we lost, but obviously I'll take the loss uh, in Oregon for our first game. It was miserable, cold, wet, and just nasty. Um, but yeah, that was, it was tough to, to be the first loss for that. Was that you that gave it up? I thought it was swags that came in. I thought it was Barrett. No, it was me, guys. It was me. <laughs> I uh, I could tell you exactly what happened. I don't know how the first guy got he on. He up the middle, wasn't it? He might have. That's how they won. That's how oh, they won okay. was a little base hit, like nubber off the end. That of must the have been off swags. But what set it up was that this bunt and like the first guy got on. Don't know if he walked to hit him or he got a base hit. I don't really remember that part, but they did a sack bunt. Whoever was playing third kind of threw it away. 
and then the next guy or no, I forget what happened. No, then they bunted and then that base hit up the middle and app tried to barehand it in center to get it home quick. And he bobbled it in center. Uh, so we can blame. App. We'll blame. We'll blame app. App. Fine. It's yeah. app's fault. We lost freaking trying to make some crazy play in center field. Didn't use his glove. It's well, then, totally if, if I remember correctly, Oregon celebrated like they just made it to Omaha. Oh, yeah, as they should, because we're the greatest team in the country. They so and they should celebrate like they just won the World Series and stuff like, like that. So I just say all like four times we lost that year, most people were dogpiling in the in the uh <laughs> the infield. So yeah, even on like the, the Tuesday night games, like if we ever lost one of those games, like the teams are freaking out that they just beat a 30 and one team or whatever it was. I think I think uh Grand Canyon, uh we only won like two to four or something like that. And they were trying to celebrate in the middle of the field by only getting beat by two that game. So Brady started that game too. And remember we, when we, Jake and I went to the grand Canyon game this year and we looked it up like, Oh, Brady started. And I sent you a message. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. I remember you tell, reaching out to me. Yeah. Yeah. You, you paid 22 appearances that year and you, you started five. Your ERA, as Jake said, 2.11, your opponent batting average was 202. You had three saves. You threw 72.2 innings. I mean, you threw a lot of innings coming out of the bullpen. What, what did you kind of feel like near the end of the season? Because it was, long, you know, that's probably more than you'd ever pitched in high school. And it, coming out of the bullpen, it's probably a different role. Was there a point in the year where you're like, man, this college game is tough. I'm a little fatigued. Or was it the, use, the way they used you kept you fresh towards the end too? Yeah. I don't think there was ever really a point that, I felt too fatigued. Um, like I said, I think they did a, the, the staff snake, whoever was, you know, doing all the pitching changes and stuff like that. I feel like did a really good job of limiting my weekend usage so that I could start on the weekday again. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be a starter the next year or if that was going to be my role, you know, didn't know We didn't know if Mitch was going to end up being a starter and maybe we needed someone to take over Mitch's role of kind of just being able to throw one to two innings almost every, every day, single, every <laughs> single day. So I didn't know if that was my role, but, or if that was going to be my role, but yeah, I thought they, the staff as, as in snake did a, a really good job with, uh, with the management of, I feel like everyone's innings. I mean, I feel like my freshman year and even my sophomore and junior year, I, I never really got fatigued or felt fatigued and, that could have been because, you know, we had a decent, you know, strength training extra or strength training. Um, but yeah, I think we had a, just a good program with, with them and, and the staff. And so I feel like we did a good job of keeping everyone fresh for, for the season. I'd agree with that, Brady. It's funny. I think about, I, I didn't really notice this until I looked back on my, my ASU career, but I had taken two years off, right. On a, on LDS mission, I come back, I throw like, eight innings in 2009 and then I threw like a hundred innings at ASU and then I threw another like 60 innings with the Phillies so I went from eight innings to 160 innings and I had nothing for you know 700 days before that so there had to be something that ASU did right I mean I there were a lot of times we'd go out there and you know during jog and stretch or right after we'd have to get loose right we'd have to do 15, 20 minutes of just armband stuff, getting your arm hot. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'm like, this is a freaking pain in the butt, you know? And, uh, but it really was really good for your arm. I never had any arm fatigue or any sort of tendonitis or anything like that. So credit to rich and credit to uh snake for what they did, because 
If I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think if there were any real, I mean, Seth would have been the only one that I fight maybe had some arm fatigue. I mean, he was 98 at the beginning of the year and 88 in the world series. So maybe there was a little fatigue there. Shout out Seth Blair going to make it to the big leagues here pretty soon. Maybe who knows? Right. Dude works but, uh, like a horse too. So huh? he's, that dude was so, he's so strong, man. I mean, I know watching him work out after his Friday night games, the next day was always, uh, something crazy to watch. He was, too. He was good, man. He was an yeah. animal. He was a good, a good, uh, you know, as far as post post game, Seth was always, he always took care of business. So, Oh yeah. Um, Brady, tell me this, bro, because I was there for one year with you. Right. And I, we shared some good memories. Obviously we ended our season in Omaha. Um, in, in your three years at ASU, was was the uh, was the Omaha trip your highlight, or what was kind of the highlight of your your ASU career, my friend? Oh man, I feel like every single year had its own highlight, right? So freshman year, going to college, going to the College World Series was obviously great, but being there for like three days was not. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the whole super regional experience beat that just because of the way the outcome was. Um, I mean, the, the series, obviously, with Arkansas, I think could arguably go down as one of the best super regional series in ASU history. Right. Because, I mean, it's literally what you dream of when you think of playoff baseball and especially in college. And then sophomore year, I think my favorite memory was, I mean, that also has a lot to one – NCAA saying we're not going to the playoffs and then, you know, we appeal it and then we end up going to the playoffs. And Randy, I know your whole opinion on the UT series. We don't have to go into that, but I think that whole series, that whole series was obviously a a mixed things of emotions. The night that I pitched was probably the highest of highs highs going up against Texas. Like I told you earlier, I hated Texas. I still do. The the color just drives me nuts. (laughs) Um, so that was probably the highlight as well as sophomore year shutting out Washington for snake was probably one of the coolest things. Cause that was his return to Washington. And we threw 27 innings and I think gave up one run and it was literally like on the last inning of Sunday, like we almost shut them out three days in a row in honor of snake. I'm pretty sure you can go back and look that up, but, uh, that was probably pretty cool for sophomore year. And then junior year was just the, the last the last day at Packard. So, I mean, each each year had its own thing. I think when it comes down to all of it, I would say the, the Super Regional with Arkansas would tr- kind of trump everything just because of that experience. And that being my first year at ASU, too, was everything I went there for. We'll get into it. Don't, don't you worry. We will definitely get into it. Uh, <laughs> we got plenty of time. Regional. Yeah. Um, you got to play in the Little League World Series when you were a youngster. So kind of compare for me, obviously there's no comparison between Omaha and the Little League World Series, but what was it like to go to the World Series as a kid and then still a kid in college to me, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. going to the College World Series, like, hey, this is, uh, this is pretty cool. I've, I've already got experience in a World Series. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it was definitely awesome, especially because that list all of a sudden goes from kids that played in the Little League World Series, a million of them, right? And then College World Series, and then it's a few thousand, couple hundred thousand people have played in the College World Series. And then to do both, that list is like 10. So to be a part of that, I think, is, uh, is really, really cool. And obviously, it's almost a, a one in a billion chance that 
someone ever gets to experience both. So uh, yeah, just to, just to kind of have that on my, my baseball resume is, is really cool. And, you know, couldn't be, couldn't be more blessed to be able to experience both. Wish I was able to experience a major league world series. And then, then that list is really, really short, but, (laughs) uh, but no, just being able to do both, obviously college world series, you're treated way more like a celebrity, which is pretty cool. Uh, Little league world series was just a cool experience because you're 12 years old and you're on a national stage. So, and Randy, you could, you could, you know, you can ask what you want um, about that, about Texas, you know. Um, but as far as your, your growth, Brady, on from freshman to um, junior year and obviously into pro ball and the major leagues, you know, what did ASU do as far as playing a role? Because when you came in as a freshman, right, like here's a kid that, just did everything right. In my opinion, you know, didn't just kind of put his head down, worked like the epitome of palm down, you know, was, was Brady and it paid off for him. Um, you know, obviously you had a great freshman year, a, a great sophomore year and, and a great junior year. And I think in totality, everyone would kind of love to aspire to be, you know, what you did, right. Coming in on a limited role and then next year taking a big leap. And then the third year being the guy, but as far as growth, in your baseball career, what, what did ASU do for you? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, a a million things from a just personal standpoint, I was on my own, you know, thousand miles from home, got to just be a man, just learn to live on my own and do my own laundry, make my own food type deal. Just kind of be on your own, live your own life. But then from a baseball standpoint, I, you know, and I definitely wouldn't have had the career without snake. That guy, that guy made me, uh, made me who I was at ASU. He was, he was the pitching ninja before a pitching ninja on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, you know, the number of talks we had with effective velocity, Jake. I remember the very first time he, he's bringing this in, in the Omaha room. I'm pretty sure every single one of us were like, what the hell is Snake talking about today? <laughs> we had no idea like what he meant by tunneling. I was just going to say, don't forget the tunnel, the tunneling. Like we had like 15 different discussions of tunneling every day. It was like snake was just beating it into our brains and looking back on it. Now, if it wasn't for that, then I don't think we, we would have had the successful pitching staff that we did just because, you know, snake was, he was 10 years ahead of everyone. It seemed like, um, I know that was all he always said that he would, I don't know if you remember this. He always wished his, superpower was just to see the future in five seconds, five seconds ahead of time. He said he would be the greatest pitcher of all time. Uh, but no snake. I mean, just having him around, I feel like was, it, it was exactly what I needed as a, as a person, as a pitcher, he was just the brains behind the whole operation of pitching. And I think he's the reason why I'm, I am who I am today and, or I, I am the pitcher I am today. And, yeah, I, I just think ASU taught me definitely a lot of things. I mean, life-changing. Met, met my wife, have two kids now because of her. And, yeah, I mean, ASU is definitely the greatest decision of my life. Let's talk a little bit about your sophomore year. Um, as Jake said, you kind of made that leap. You started 15 games, all 15 games. You had a complete game shutout. You went 9-4, and four, threw just shy of 100 innings, uh, ERA of 2.75, and then, you know, the season goes the way it does. It ends in, uh, in Austin, but 
what kind of clicked for you? Not that it didn't click your freshman year. Obviously, you're a freshman All-American, but totally different role for you now, really. Um, and coming in with expectations based on how the previous season went. So what clicked for you when you made that leap to, okay, I'm now the anchor of this rotation? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty surreal um, just to be given kind of the the trust of the number one guy of a potential number one team in the country. Um, I mean, we were coming from Omaha. We were being we were the number one team in the country going into the College World Series the year before. So to like kind of be given the keys uh, my sophomore year to have as to have Snake, all of those guys trust me to to do it was was pretty awesome. Um, was definitely everything I always dreamt of when I went to ASU. Um, didn't didn't see it happening that fast, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. Just to, to again, just to be the the number one guy for one of the top teams in the country, and I think that leap was just like you know you really got to focus. I know that off season, Mitch and I, actually it was Mitch, me, and Jake. Like we got after it that fall. I don't think we threw any innings that fall. We just long tossed and worked out like crazy to to get ready for that season because we were going to be the anchors of the staff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of the transition was, again, just kind of going towards Rich and the the strength and conditioning program and and Snake. I mean, I think they just they got me ready for for that that long haul to be the ace. Now, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I want to get your take on you know, what happened with Corey and how that kind of, you know, the team, you know, at least in my opinion, I Jake, you weren't there. So you, you're seeing it from a 30,000 foot view, but in my opinion, the team could have gone two ways when that happened. It was so early in the year, it could have been a black cloud over the, over the program for the season, in addition to an already trying off season with the NCA stuff. Mm-hmm. But instead I kind of felt like the team kind of rallied around Corey and came together and it made everybody just a real tight knit group. I mean, I remember every single guy was at the hospital that night. Uh, so for you personally, what, how were you able to move forward and what was your take on how the team reacted to what happened? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps literally right now, just kind of seeing that play happen right now. Um, obviously the, probably the one moment that I've ever experienced on the baseball field that I obviously want to forget Um and I mean, Corey's the man. Uh, I love that. Love that dude to death. Uh, but yeah, I think, like you said, everyone was at the hospital literally that night. As soon as the that last out was made, it was like, all right, let's go. We got to go see Corey. That just speaks about, like I said earlier, that just speaks about the the brotherhood that ASU has. Um, but yeah, that that whole situation definitely is one that that hits home and. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's always it's always hard to talk about uh, just because Corey's like a brother to me. And I mean, if, if we would have had him that year, College World Series, without a doubt, we probably would have hosted a super regional. So we probably wouldn't have gone to Texas. Um, and even if we would have gone to Texas, we would probably would have won in two games having Corey on our team um, just because that guy's a, a freak of an athlete. I hated facing him in fall ball, <laughs> hated it, couldn't stand it. The dude just works and works and works. And it's like, I don't I didn't know what to throw that guy anymore. So it's just, you know, give up, throw it down the middle and hope he just gets himself out. And then, and then he come, he can come on to the bump and throw like 90 from the left side. He might've 
might have even thrown harder. I don't know. He's probably going to give me crap if he throws like 96. And I tell it, I say he throws 90. So, but no, that uh, that whole moment obviously is one of the the craziest moments of my life, and probably one of the only times I've ever truly cried on a baseball field, just because you know lost you lost a brother. You weren't able to to play and have Corey behind you in the outfield because I know he would have saved my butt a lot in the outfield. So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, always love Corey and situation that whole situation i just wish would have never happened yeah man love Corey. it is weird like it almost puts like a somber mood when you you talk about ac baseball which is so high and then you have to think about Corey, especially but you know one of the dudes who just epitomizes ac baseball right which is just consistent hard work and uh just being a dog and that's kind of the way he is man so um, Brady, let me ask you this. What was something that you learned kind of between your second and third year? Um, and the reason I asked that is because, uh, you know, my, my first year really playing was my redshirt freshman year and I had gotten, you know, limited innings and I went and played summer ball up in Alaska. And then I played my redshirt sophomore year, but I always think about like, man, I learned so much that year. I wish I would have had another year at ACU, but I was older and I was trying to go play pro ball and kind of chase my dreams of playing in the major leagues, but you had that. So what was kind of the transition or what was kind of the thought between your sophomore and junior year that again, helped you and elevate you, um, you know, to go and be that number one guy again at ASU and ultimately get drafted in the third round. Yeah. Uh, my junior year was actually, from a mental standpoint was probably the hardest just because that season could go nowhere. That was, that was the hardest part. Cause we already knew going into the year that look, we have a 0% chance of making the playoffs. So we can either do one of two things and it's, you know, every man for themselves, all the juniors, like, look, you're draft eligible. You know, it's easy. It was easy for us older guys to kind of get selfish, but none of us did. We stayed together. You know, guys like me, Devin, and Applin, we roomed together. Um, and those guys worked out harder than anyone I've ever seen. App was always at the cage, even at 1, 2 in the morning. He's hitting off the machine in the cage. Um, but from, <laughs> from a personal standpoint, um, it was just, you know, just get through the year healthy. Got to make it through healthy. Set up a good example for the young guys was all that I could do because I know, you know, we couldn't make the playoffs. So it was just go out there every single day, work as hard as you possibly can, set a good example for the freshmen, even the sophomores. And uh, I mean, that's, that's all I really could do. And just was try to just get better from the year before. And, uh, you know, got to, was fortunate enough to play with the collegiate team that summer going into my junior year. So I was able to, to learn a lot from some really, really good ball players around the country. Um, so yeah, that was probably the, the biggest sleep was playing that collegiate that playing with that collegiate team, learning from those superstar athletes. Cause I mean, there's guys like Waka was on that team. Stroman was on that team. Um, just a, a lot of really, really good ball players. And to be able to learn that summer was, was pretty significant in my career. I'm glad you brought up the 2012 season, Jay, cause I wanted to ask you about that because especially nowadays you see all these football players when it comes to the bowl games, if they're not in the CFP, they're opting out. They don't want to ruin their pro prospects. And for you as a pitcher, you know, you're going into that season knowing, look, we're on NCAA ban. We can't make the postseason. You know, I, do I want to put stress on my arm? Am, am I thinking about draft? 
Instead, you go out and throw 115 innings. You had three complete games that year. Um, you, you went 10 and three. You, you turned in a fantastic year. And the team, you know, you guys were top 25 all season too. So no one mailed it in. Like you said, everybody was part of it. At what, what was it that had you guys come together? Was it we're playing for the pride on the name of the front of our jerseys? Was it Coach Esme being able to keep everybody together? Or was it just, you know, hey, we have a tradition to uphold here and I don't care if we can make the postseason or not? Like literally all of those things. <laughs> literally every single one. Uh, and it was kind of just like, you know, we, obviously we wanted to like go undefeated. That was like the main goal was to be the number one team and not make the playoffs. Offs. Like that was the main goal, just to give a middle finger to the NCAA. But uh, but no, I mean, that's just who we are at ASU. You know, you don't want to you don't want to give up. You don't want to throw in the towel because also we probably get some lip from the guys from the alumni if we were to give in and just have a terrible season. So I don't think no one would have felt sorry for us because we had a bad year. Oh, they had a bad year because they couldn't make the playoffs. No one was going to feel sorry for us in that situation. So, yeah, we just kind of went out and we're good baseball players. So ASU brings in good baseball players and good baseball players win games. So that's exactly exactly what we went out and did. And I'm pretty sure we were the last team to beat U of A before they won the national championship that year. That's, that's correct. Yeah. And so honestly, our team, we were playing really good by the end of the year. The young guys were stepping in. We probably would have made a really good run towards the College World Series and it would have been a, it would have been a fun way to end it. Four guys on that team went on to play in the big leagues, including yourself. And that was a tough year in the Pac-12, or the Pac-12, I guess, at that point. Oregon was a top-10 team. Arizona was a top-10 team on the national championship. UCLA was a top-10 team. Stanford was a top-15 team. You guys were a top-15 team. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible if you think about the fact that you literally were playing for nothing but school pride and personal pride, and you went out there and competed all season long. And I think that's a testament to the maturity of you guys as college kids and, and the job that Coach Esme and his coaching staff did to, you know, keep a focus there. Yeah, I mean, that comes from, again, when we, you know, that class, when we were juniors, those juniors and seniors, when we were freshmen, we had guys like Jake. We had guys like Raul. We had guys like Cole. Those were our leaders. So it doesn't, I mean, I'm not surprised that we did that our junior year just because of following in the footsteps of those guys like that. Um, but yeah, I, that, that doesn't surprise me at all for us to, to go out there and compete, even when, you know, we couldn't ha didn't have anything to play for. Brady, a lot of times we ask guys, you know, what's a favorite, uh, you know, um, Murph story. Um, but I'll, I'll open it up to anybody between Murph as and snake. Um, do you have a particular story that, that really kind of, you know, jumps, jumps out of, at you when you think about uh, your your time there. I mean, how many times you you mentioned the snake stories? I mean, I mean, it's it's just you could have a snake story after snake story after snake story. But uh, was there one particular one with any of the coaches, Murph included, obviously, with your limited time with him that really resonated with you? Yeah, uh, Murph. I always always love Murph. Shocker. I mean, Shocker. It's a Murph story. It's a Murph story. Weird, right? And I only spent through like two months with them. It's crazy how I have one, right? It's weird. Um, now, there's there's actually a couple, and it was funny. It's, they're just they're funny. Like it's you're just like, yeah, that's Murph. Like that's just what he does. Right. Freshman year, I don't even know. It was like first weekend, and we're walking down the tunnel, coming from the locker room. You know, training rooms on the right. You're about to be in the dugout. You know that little tunnel. 
Yeah. And Murph is walking in. He's got his big old Diet Coke, Munch Mania, <laughs> Styrofoam cup, sipping on it. Hey, Murph. He just keeps walking. Just <laughs> right past me. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep going this way. That's That was my first – that was like the first Murph story from like as a freshman. Like I am a freshman baseball player now to Murph, and so don't talk to him anymore. Um, and then the other one is – you know, we had our first like team meeting at Murph's house. Um, and I, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. So I just, I'm like, Hey Murph, where's the bathroom? He literally just goes, I don't freaking know. Except he didn't <laughs> say freaking, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like just go find it yourself. Walk around and find it. Like just go. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go walk around here. Like, I think it took me like five minutes to find the bathroom, went down the wrong hallway, stuff like that. Like those are my Murph stories. And then let's see if there's any, I mean, there's always a, a million snake stories. I don't know if some that I can't tell on the podcast, but, but no, yeah, that's probably the, the, my, obviously I didn't have a whole lot of Murph inter, inter, uh, interaction with them, but. Hey, you had two always, more than I thought you'd have. Those just always make me laugh. Cause I'm like, it, you, there's people that take that kind of stuff personal. And those are the ones that I feel like don't like Murph, but I feel like that's just, I love Murph and that, that just seeing that stuff always, or hearing that stuff always makes me laugh. What was your favorite road trip that we made? Ooh, Omaha excluded. Omaha doesn't get to count. Let's see. I did. I did kind of like the trip to Auburn. Uh, I think that was 2011. That was a fun one just to go to an sec school um was that the one where we almost missed the plane coming home probably we had to rush because the game went long on the sunday we had to drive back to atlanta yeah yeah and then the gear didn't show up until like tuesday yeah that sounds right um i'm trying to think what i mean obviously like the texas super regional was was really cool just from a personal standpoint uh to get to go to austin and shove it up there you know shove it up there you know what uh, in front of their crowd. That was probably my favorite road trip. Um, but outside of playoff baseball, I feel like we didn't make a whole lot of trips. Like we made some random ones like Auburn, Gonzaga, Long Beach State. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I would say it's like Auburn would probably be my my favorite road trip just because that stadium is really unique and cool. They have like a green monster and left just really cool stadium. And Brandon McGee hitting bombs off the light tower. Oh yeah, and then yeah, B McGee just launching balls. Like God, oh, I miss I miss watching his batting practice. <laughs> was there a Pac-12 team or Pac-10 team that you really looked forward to playing? I mean, you, you mentioned Washington. Was that one? Since you didn't have any really history with the Pac-10 coming in from Texas, was there other than U of A? Was there an opponent where you maybe had an extra gear when you were facing them? Other than U of A, yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of. I always liked facing like Oregon state or Oregon. I really, and UCLA. I mean, honestly, I like facing all those PAC 12 schools, especially the good ones like Oregon state, Oregon, UCLA. Um, just because, you know, it was always an important game. Um, but yeah, I'd say I, I, my favorite, I did actually liked Oregon state when we went there, we went there once. I want to say it was in 2011 um, just because the yeah. stands are right above the dugout. Um, and so it sounds like it's super loud and that trip also someone, I'm not going to say any names. So we might've, we might've talked about this story. Someone blew up the bathroom or something like that at Oregon state. 
through like <laughs> chairs through the wall, punched a hole in the wall or something like that. I forget. I know who it was, but I'm not going to say any names. Um, but yeah, I'd say the, the, the team that brought it out the most is always, always Arizona, but I'd say, you know, Oregon or Oregon state for some reason, always brought out the best in me. I will say my least favorite though, is Washington state. I'm sure that goes for everyone. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, and Jake, I think this was 2010 where we had to run in the parking lot at like midnight. Do you remember that? Or you might've been starting the next day. So you kind of got the, the buyout, like you, you didn't have to run. Cause someone's running at Oregon state. The only thing I remember doing was freaking freezing because it was windy and snowing on the day that I started. So yeah. Oh, I do remember. Yeah. I remember the snow. Yeah. Remember uh, that? Yeah. But no, I remember someone took, I know again, I know who that was too. Someone took some shoes. Yes. Two people, wasn't it? it was two people, was it not? Uh, it might've been two. I thought one, but then yeah, as woke us up at like 12 in the morning, one in the morning, and it's like, we're going to run in the parking lot until someone. Comes oh, you up. know what? I remember that. I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, I remember that. That was, that was probably by far the worst trip in all of college baseball. <laughs> yeah. I had scrubbed that from my memory, but I do remember, I do remember that. Cause we were trying, the SID was trying very hard to cover it up and make sure no one got wind of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we can. We, we can lost that up. series against them, right? We did up there. Yeah, it was yeah, the first one we so. ever lost. Yeah. Jeez, what a what a joke! Who started that game on Sunday? I don't. We probably gave up like a nine spot. Probably gave up at least eight in the first. <laughs> I remember I was so grateful. As came out there and pulled me, I'm like, "Get me out of here, As. I know where it's warm." <laughs> Weird things happen in Pullman. I think I walked like six people one game that I started out there. It's like I'm done with this place uh, it didn't even feel like a real baseball game i remember thinking to myself warming up i'm like are we really gonna play in this <laughs> yeah. okay. their guess. field their field has like three different types of astro turf out there like, right right i together. remember like throwing my warm-up pitches and i'm like am i i gotta be throwing like 60 miles an hour right now there's no way i'm throwing <laughs> anything less than that because it was yeah. it like the, it was a weird optics like the stands so far away the catchers like closed but mm -hmm. You're throwing and you're like, is my ball even like, I feel like it was like rainbowed. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So needless to say, that was a nice, uh, I was glad that game was over. I'll take the L and just bounce. See you later. Let's, yeah. let, let's pivot from a bad college baseball atmosphere to <laughs> yeah. one of the best college ba baseball atmospheres ever. And that's Packard stadium. Now, Brady, I said at the top that you owned Packard stadium. You went 18 and three playing at Packard stadium, which is uh, that's very impressive. So can you tell me a little bit about what was it for you personally that made Packard so special? And if you have any favorite Packard memories. Yeah. I, I mean, one, it's just something about Packard. Literally, you just don't know what it is. There's just something, some aura about it just makes it so unique, such a unique college baseball field. It was always the background of my laptop and throughout high school and college just because and it's probably one that you can Google and it's like a nighttime game. The stadium lights are lit. Like that was my background. Um, and I didn't know I was 18 and three at Packard. That's pretty cool to, to know that. Um, yeah. I don't know what it was. I just felt really good. I guess I just had a, a good routine leading up to the game that I just felt at home and knew it was going to be a good day. And just, I don't know, just, yeah, just being at home. And I think, I think something about Packer just has does something to the away team. It just does something to them. I can't explain it. It just makes people not play good. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it was 
something about it that, I mean, also I had really good defenders behind me, like Devin and App that saved me a lot. So having those guys also helped me uh, win a bunch of games at Packard. But yeah, something about it. I don't, I don't know. It's just, just the, the home cooking of Packard. It just felt, felt like home. Everything felt right when I was on that mound. It just, just felt good to be out there. I don't know. There's, there's really no way to explain it. Is there a one Packard memory that sticks out for you from a game you were in? Um, two, two stand out. It was one game against Arizona, my freshman year, eight innings, no runs. I think I gave up one hit and it was to the first hitter of the game and then went on to retire everyone in a row as did not let me finish. And I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> he actually put in swag. I think he put in swags and he gave up a run. And so the shutout was gone and then I was really mad. Um, so as if you're, if you're listening, I'm still like kind of bitter about that move, but you know, whatever, um, <laughs> that was, that was one just because I feel like that was my, my foot in the door to, to be in like a, a, an ASU starter, to be in a guy, I feel like. And then, um, my last game at Packard, just walking off the field, the crowd kind of giving me a standing ovation because they, they knew that it was probably going to be my last game. I knew that it was going to be my last game and you know, just got chills kind of walking off the field and, and tipping my hat to the crowd was probably probably one of the coolest moments um, from a personal standpoint at Arizona State. Is it weird to think that you were a member of the last College World Series team at Arizona State and the last Arizona State team to host a postseason game? I didn't know the host the postseason game part. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, to, to be a part, I mean, it's not – it's not good to be a part of the last team to be at the college world series, but I think good times are ahead now that we've hired Willie and we're on the, I feel like we're going to be on the right track. We're going to bring back ASU baseball the way it's supposed to be. But, uh, but yeah, that's pretty, pretty crazy to know that it's been, you know, 10, 11 years since we've been, since we've hosted a, a playoff playoff baseball and been to the college world series. I think it's uh that's pretty crazy. I didn't uh, didn't know that, but yep, uh, that, the New Mexico not something regional. I'm proud of to be a part of the last team to do that. But the New Mexico Regional in 2011 was the last home postseason game the ASU's played. It's it's crazy to think it's been 10 years. Yeah, hopefully that'll. I I, I know that that'll change with Willie. And I, I want to ask you about that because it's very obvious you have a passion for this program. You did then. You still do now. So what does it mean for you as an alumnus of of the program and of the university to have a guy like Willie Bloomquist who bleeds maroon and gold. And I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who loves this team and the school more than Willie Bloomquist. What does it mean for you to have that guy at the helm of the ship? Yeah. I mean, I think all of us alumni guys, we've talked about it. We, we wanted an ASU guy there. Uh, we wanted an ASU guy running things with the baseball program and to have a guy like Willie, I've talked with them a, a handful of times and he just seems like he he knows what he's doing. I feel like he's going to bring this program right to where it needs to be, bringing back that ASU tradition, uh, which is exactly what this program needed. So I think I think I speak for not only myself but all of the alumni when I say like we are fired up for this coming up season. We're excited to see what Willie's going to do to this program, and uh, just to just to have you know to have a brother you know, kind of running things, knowing how things are supposed to be done, how we want things to be done. It's, uh, it's really cool. And I think it has everyone excited for, for ASU baseball. 
you've been through the recruiting process. So now I'm going to put the recruiting hat on you. You're let's say you're the recruiting coordinator and you're in that living room with one of the top kids. What do you say to them to get the message across about what ASU baseball means to you? Man, tell you what, if someone asked me that question, there's, there's not enough time in the day for me to talk about what ASU baseball means to me, not only as a baseball player, but as a, just as a person, um, I mean, ASU baseball, and you can, you could probably say this about a lot of programs, but I feel like, like ASU is, is, is tops is one of the top pro, top programs just because of the, the history that the program has, the, the way we go about things, the leadership that this program has. And, you know, when, when I was at ASU and we had the alumni golf tournament, you know, you had guys catching up that played 20 years apart and they're talking like they're brothers. I mean, I feel like you don't really get that everywhere else. Um, I feel like, you know, it's once you find out a guy played baseball at ASU and you played baseball at ASU, I mean, you just have that, like it's, it's a family, it's a brotherhood that is, is never ending. And, you know, you can always turn to turn to one of your ASU alumni guys for, for any help or any, any need, and they're going to be there for you. So I think that's kind of how I would convince people, any, any type of kid to go to ASU. It's just, you got to experience it to, to know what it's about. Brady, I, I, um, uh, 100% echo what you're saying. One of the big reasons that my experience was what it was, obviously I grew up in Arizona. I, I watched all the guys play, but I have a, uh, a great deal of respect for coach Murphy and for coach as two very different styles of coaching, right? Murph was, just an amazing psychological um, leader could get anybody in a good playing mode. Right. As was the guy that if you went over four, Hey, whatever, you'll be in the lineup tomorrow. You'll do great kind of thing. Very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very good at keeping the team uh, together when a lot of times, you know, the team could say, Hey, this is a crossroad. We can go right or we can go left. And he always helped everyone go the right way. What did you, uh, what, you know, Talk about as maybe a little bit in kind of my final question or my final statement to you is what did as mean to you as a coach and as someone that you could count on and someone that you could talk to, whether it was about baseball or different things, um, what did as mean to you? Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. He was a always positive person. Um, and I mean, anytime if, if you were struggling or had anything to really talk about as as was a guy that you could go to, um, you know, I was, I don't want to say I was fortunate enough to not have a lot of conversations with Ez because I was fortunate enough to be playing well. So normally, you know, when you're not talking to the coach, it's because you're, he doesn't want to talk to you or doesn't need to talk to you or anything like that. But on any time that I was struggling, I can, I know I could always turn to Ez. He was just a guy that I felt comfortable with. Like I said, from day one, when he walked in to see, your y'all's reaction guys who have been under him who have played with him who have developed a relationship with him seeing y'all's reaction when he walked in the door again that just set the tone for all right I can trust this dude I know exactly who he is I know he's going to lead me the right way and so I think as was was the great fit for Murph coming out um so for as to be in that role I think he got kicked out a little too soon. I don't, I think his leash was a little too short in my opinion. Um, but I, I mean, I loved as he was, he was awesome. He was the guy that I, that I truly liked playing for. Um, he was just, 
just fun to be around and a good guy to talk to. And yeah, I love, love my three years behind him. Collectively, Brady, I think the alumni had the same reaction when Willie was hired. Maybe not <laughs> in the locker room, but we all kind of jumped around like Wolf of Wall Street style when he says he's not leaving. We were geeked and pumped that Willie was the guy. Randy and I had him on the show. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think it was uh, it, it's important to bring back the old expectations of really what ASU baseball was. Um, and, and that's just, you know, competitive day in, day out, hard work, baseball practices are extremely tough. And that's what I think, I think you can attribute this to is practices were harder than the games. The games were fun, right? Mm -hmm. The games we were going out to whoop, whoop dudes up. We finally got to play against, you know, non Corey Hahn type players and non Devin Marrero's and, you know, non Cole Calhoun. Like we got to face dudes who actually we could, we could get out easily, Mm -hmm. And uh, I just don't, I think that that's one of the things and Randy spoke with me briefly kind of um, off the show about how, you know, pumped he is about Willie and, and he was able to go to their, their alumni event. And it's just, you know, the buzz around ASU baseball is, is there again, specifically because we have somebody who knows what it takes to bring a team back to Omaha. And um, I think uh, as an, from an alumni standpoint, you and me both are, are pumped for Willie and, and we're looking forward to this baseball season in, uh, in 2022. So. Yeah. I know Randy and I talked about it before we uh, hopped on or before you hopped on. And it was actually right when you got on just the, the experience that that coaching staff has is I feel like, I mean, we have to do some research, but I feel like there's not a lot of staffs that have, that much big league experience on one college, one college team. I mean, Willie Bloomquist, Travis Buck, Bill Miller. I mean, those three dudes have seen and done everything at the highest of highs. So I think it's uh, to have that staff is, and that's what's really going to kind of bring, bring the life back. <laughs> All right, Brady, I got two more things for you. One of them, you know, we have to talk about it because we brought it up earlier. The second one will be more fun. So the first one is, Let's talk about the Austin screw job. What do you remember from that game, game three? Because I know what I remember, and I know what I've been told after the fact. But you were there. You hate Texas. You're from Texas. You were in the dugout. What do you remember about game three in the 2011 Super Regional? Do you have one of those, like, bleeping machines? Because there you, might be. <laughs> I, I can bleep out whatever you want. So I want, I want it to be unfiltered. No, no. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to keep it clean. Um, yeah, I mean, as right when it happened, we were obviously confused because, I mean, how did a guy who walked, how was he out? How is he considered now out? Like, I don't, it was, it's just it's such a confusing thing. And then when you were talking about, it, I don't remember who you were talking to. Maybe it was Ez when you had Ez on, but you were talking about that whole situation and the umpire. And then, where was the umpire? Was it like a Tennessee game the next year or something like that? Or yeah, two years it was. It was. The, it was a couple of years later, and, and it was somewhere in the south. Yeah. So when you said that story was like, you know, he had to go to like, like he had mental health issues after that. Now my my point of view is a little different. It's changed a little bit, but yeah, obviously I'm still pissed about the whole situation because we deserve to win that game. Um, I mean, RIP Augie, but we should have won that game. I think he had a lot of say when it comes to that. I think he literally just told the umpires what should happen, and that's what happened. Um, 
Do I think there could have been something different done? Yeah, I think we could have appealed, right? Couldn't there have been they would something? Not, they would not allow us to. We attempted to. We attempted to play the game under protest. We attempted to meet with the NCA. The rep would not meet with us. They said it was not something we could uh, argue. They wouldn't even tell us that face-to-face. We had to go through an intermediary. Well, now I'm even more pissed. You know, <laughs> just pissed me off again, Randy. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was pretty hopping mad up in the press box at that point. I mean, yeah, obviously at the, at the time I was ready to jump over the fence and like, just like, what are we doing? But at the same time I had to stay locked in. Cause I, I was thinking I was going to go in and pitch later that game too. So like I couldn't be too caught up into it, but, uh, but yeah, that whole situation was stupid. Uh, I try to forget it. Um, it just shows you how dumb the NCAA is and how much power they have over everything. I mean, I, I got, I got, enough, I got more work. Or as more conspiracies, uh, <laughs> if they're able to do that for baseball, what 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 can they do for football and basketball? Come March Madness and the Bulls. Well, but, uh, they can put Alabama number one or number two, no matter what their record is. Oh right. yeah, they'll be oh and you know one and ten, and they're still going to be in the national championship. But uh, but no, right. yeah, that whole situation was just pisses me off to this day because you know it, it stopped a really good team from going to Omaha. I, I really feel like. If we win that game, we make a lot of noise in Omaha, and I think that would have made the NCAA real nervous. Yeah, we had a really, really good team, like a really good team. Um, Kramer was coming into his own. Otto was 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 doing well. Trevor was a freshman at the time, and he was pitching really well out of the bullpen. Um, unfortunately, we were without we were without Jake, but I mean, we had a lot of. God, we had such good talent that year, and it sucks that we couldn't go any further. Because yeah, we definitely. We definitely would have done something uh, in the College World Series. All right. My last question for you, and this is more fun. You've mentioned a lot of teammates. Who was your, and I don't want you to make anybody feel bad, but who was your favorite teammate? Who did you have the most fun with? Who did you get into the most mischief with? Uh, and it can be more than one guy, but when you look back at your three years at ASU, who, who's the face or the faces you see of guys who who kind of made up those three seasons with you? Yeah. Um, so, one guy, obviously, the one of the funniest guys, one of the guys I love to hang out with every single time is Andrew Applin. If you're just wanting a good laugh and just a good time, that's the guy you want to hang out with. I love that dude like my brother. I see Jake smiling because he knows. <laughs> and But I think from like a, like just my boy standpoint is Robert Rivago and Jake Barrett. Those are my guys off the field. Um, you know, hung out with those guys. And it's funny because with – with Vogs, I mean, he was there freshman year, first semester, and then he had to go to JUCO, and then he comes back junior year. So, again, something like that really shows how important ASU baseball is to someone, you know, and just kind of that people will do a lot, do whatever it takes to come back to ASU. So, I mean, Rob, for him to to come to ASU, then go somewhere, and then to come back to kind of have that, just that that ability to, to kind of keep your nose down and, and get better to come back to ASU. Um, extremely thankful that he was able to come back. Cause like I said, that's, that's one of my best friends. And then having, uh, having Jake Barrett there too. I mean, those are, those are my guys, but uh, the whole team, I mean, I loved every single one of those guys. Abe was always fun to hang around. Joey D was a character. <laughs> Dev was always a good guy. I mean, Recio, uh, I loved Recio. He was he was awesome. Um, I mean, just literally every single one, but I'd say my, my, my dudes are, are Robert and Jake, but I do have, I forgot one Murph story. This just came to me. 
Um, and Jake, you were there, obviously, because Murph was there. But uh, a certain player, not going to mention names, was woke up late to weights one morning. And then that practice, the entire practice, ran with a pillow and an alarm clock <laughs> the entire time. And I love that. Like, that Bro, I is. I don't even know who that was because the year before that, Murph did it like 13 times. So... <laughs> I mean, dude, never mind, like... man. I guess it's not a great Murph story, but it was hilarious to me. So. It's funny to hear like everyone <laughs> tell the same Murph story, but just with different people involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's <laughs> classic. Well, Brady, uh, thank you so much for coming on with us. You were the perfect guest for our season three season premiere, and uh, it was great to catch up with you. And I, I know Jake was excited to have you on, and we're, we're looking forward. You got We got to get you out to Muni this year. You are always welcome for the in the the Legend of Packard seats that uh, that we have. There's always one or two for you whenever you want them. Yes, sir. I'll definitely. I, like I said, I just want to make it to a game. I want to bring my kid to a game. So we're going to find a way to make it happen this year. Come out to opening weekend, bro. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do my best uh, to make it out there opening weekend. And uh, if not, I'll definitely try to make it out there for a weekend. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's always, always fun listening to listening to these podcasts, listening to memories and even listening to, to stories, you know, from back in the 70s and 80s and all that. It's just always fun to, to listen to the, the history that this program has and, you know, just extremely grateful to be, be part of that history. Well, Jake, it was so great to, to get back in the saddle and, and uh, do another podcast. And uh, Brady Rogers, a great, great guest for our season premiere. Uh, it was really, really great to catch up with him. It was. I, I'd like to take on back in the saddle because when I hear his, you know, his Southern accent, it's good to, you know, it, it's it, Southern accents, for whatever reason, just put a smile on my face, right? Make, think of, make me think of very simple things in life. And that's what Brady was. He was just a a simple dude didn't want the uh, the spotlight, didn't want the shine. He just wanted to go out there and pitch, and and he did that, man. It's 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 good to chat with him and uh, and recollect on his career. I obviously was playing pro ball when he finished up his career, so I didn't have a chance to really, you know, go back and and take in what he was doing. But looking at the numbers and looking at what he did, the dude was a stud, man. You know, ERA in the twos—that's hard to do in college baseball, especially considering that they you know, his freshman year, they played with those nasty bats that I, you know, how many home runs were given up at Packer with those bats that we all thought were pop-up outs. And he did it, you know, in, in a, a pretty dang good fashion. So uh, it's great to catch up with Brady and, and chat with him. Another kid that we just, we look at and we think, oh, this guy's ASU, right? Like he bought in, he really truly bought into what ASU's mantra was, was, Hey, it doesn't matter what, what the school has given you. It's what can you give to the school, right? Palm down attitude that coach Murphy taught us. And, and he really was of all those freshmen might've been the most palm down player that he came in with, with Devin and, and DeMichael and, and uh, Applin and Jake Barrett, like Brady was just really that, that stud that you knew you could count on. And he wasn't going to ask for much in return. Just let him do his job. He was a pleasure to watch. Uh, on the mound he's a, a he was a great kid then he's a great guy now and we're we're very thankful that he he joined us so i i do want to say jake you know we're, we're back for a new season uh we're gonna we're coming up against the holidays so it's not going to be weekly but we're gonna we're gonna record a lot of episodes especially as we get into the season and i think we're gonna start talking a little bit more about the on-field product this year because you and i are both fired up we talked about it in the open but i, I want to stress the message to, our, to all the sun devil fans out there let's support this team you know i i said 
you know, they, if they bring Willie in, uh, I'm going to support him. I went out and bought season tickets. So I, I got a pair of tickets. Um, and it's not that I can't get free tickets because I can. I still know people over there, but I wanted to show my support for the program and for Willie Bloomquist and for the kids on that team. So I encourage everybody, you know, come out and show your support for Coach Bloomquist and and for the program because it's it's back on the right track. And And the message that is being put out there right now is we want to get back to where we were 10, 15, 20, 40, 50 years ago. And um, I promise you Willie Bloomquist has that in mind and he will settle for nothing less. Absolutely. I, I just – I just won a national championship. I mean, is that too much to ask, Randy? You know, <laughs> they were winning them a bunch in the seventies and sixties. And it was like, let, you know, the last one was like 1981 or something like that. Like let's, let's go get another a national championship. It's been almost, you know, 40 plus years. So um, one of the things that coach Murphy always, he talked about was you'll be exposed, right. For who you are. You, you have to come in and expose yourself warts and all. And um, I think we know what, what Willie is for the most part, I think Willie's exposed himself being a guy who's played, you know, 10 plus years in the big leagues and had a great, awesome career at ASU. And he's come on the show and, and talked about who he really is. And I think what, to your point, he, he deserves our, our support at this point. Um, And he'll be exposed for who he is. And I truly think he's going to be an amazing ball coach, an amazing baseball coach who's going to get ASU back in the right program. So my focus is right there. My focus is saying, hey, look, this is a guy that I want to link arms with. This is a guy that if somebody talks trash, I'm going to defend him. This is a guy that I'm going to go to war for because everything that he's done up to this point, I think speaks to the idea that he is a beast, an animal, right? And every level he's been successful college, major leagues. I can't imagine that he's going to flop at ASU. Now I've, I've been wrong, but at all signs and all the exposure that Willie has pointed to seems to be that he is going to be getting this program to what we just, what you just referenced, right? A club that's hosting super regionals, 45, 50 plus wins a year, winning PAC 12 uh, titles, having dudes win 10 games. I mean, when's the last time an ASU pitcher won 10 games? Was it Brady? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it seemed to be it was, uh, it was every year there was a Friday or Saturday night guy that was winning 10, 11 games every single year. And, and um, pitching is obviously going to be a, a huge part of that program. And I think Willie understands the dynamic of his team and he understands what he has to do to get ASU back in the program. So I echo your sentiment on support. Um, and uh, you know me, I'm going to be all in or I'm going to be not very all in. And so I'm all in right now with Willie. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, we, you especially and me as well, we were outspoken about the previous regime. We didn't like the message. We were disappointed it wasn't about the program and it was about the, the guy sitting in the head coach's office and then that it. Right. And I don't think that's going to be the case because Willie Bloomquist knows no man is bigger than the program. And he learned that from Pat Murphy. And, and, you know, he has Murph right there. If he needs something, he knows that he can call Murph and get some advice. And uh, it's, a, it's a great baseball consigliere to have there uh, when it comes to ASU baseball. So, you know, like I said, I'm fired up for this upcoming season. I'm going to be out to as many games as I can be at Muni. And um, we'll, let's give Willie our support. It's going to take time because this program is not in the best of shape from the previous regime. But we have to give Willie time and our support, and, and I, I think he will get it done just like you do. I wouldn't be surprised if it takes him, if it doesn't take him too long, Randy. I just, 
I think in, a, in college baseball, you know, and I've always said this, the talent is so it's, there's not a huge discrepancy. You might have a, maybe 10 players who are just, they could go out and have mediocre years and they're going to be way better than everyone else. It comes down to what coach, you know, can put a player in a position to be successful and to get everything out of that player, you know, to have a player not give up on you or not bail when it's tied, you know, two, two in the eighth inning, what's, what's going to get that guy to really dig in deep and find a way to win. And I think Willie's got that. And I think with the talent that he has coming in, guys who played a lot last year are going to be playing again this year. You've got some arms back. And uh, I just think that uh, I, I just, my, my point in that is I just wouldn't be surprised if Willie has an, has an amazing year, an overachieving year this year, maybe 50 wins, maybe, you know, hosting the super regional. But um, I think regardless of whether his, what his result is this year, right now, we're excited to have Willie as our coach. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's support the program, buy some tickets, go out there, make some noise, wear your maroon and gold, and uh, let's show Willie Bloomquist that we're glad that he is back in the Sun Devil dugout. Our thanks to our guest, Brady Rogers. He was fantastic, as I'm sure we all knew he would be. Jake, I, I'm so glad we're back. Uh, I'm, I'm, I had a rough couple of weeks here, and, and this brought some joy to my life, which uh, I, I was in desperate need of, so I can't wait to, to get a few more. And I tell you, when I was at that alumni event, I had a bunch of guys come up to me saying, when am I going to be on the show? When am I going to be on the show? So I have their numbers. They will be getting text messages from us very shortly. Get in line, baby. This is a, uh, a commodity, not a, uh, you know, you don't just deserve to come on the show because you played here, folks. Sit back. For Jake Borup, I'm Randy Policar. This is the Legends of Packard podcast. And honey, I just want to be back in your arms again. Follow the Legends of Packard podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Packard Legends and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Legends of Packard. The Legends of Packard podcast is a Paula Truck Media production and is not affiliated with Arizona State University. 